She was convinced she had found Mr. Right, Mr. Handsome, Mr. Funny, Mr. Intelligent, Mr. Everything that she was looking for in a guy. The one problem, of course, was just this. He didn't know that she existed. And so, of course, she had to do something to make sure that she would be on his radar. You know how the rest of the scene plays out. You've seen it uh, in different fashions and forms in movies, in storylines, in books. She uh, hashes this elaborate plan uh, with the help of a close friend or a group of friends. And what ends up happening was all of it falls apart and goes horribly wrong, and she ends up looking absolutely ridiculous. She does get the individual to look at her, to know she exists, but not in the way that she ever would have hoped for. So now the rest of the storyline is not only her trying to overcome that horrible impression he must have of her, but to win him over. All of this effort on her part simply to get noticed. Which is really what all of us have been doing from the time we were toddlers. That's all we really want is to, to be noticed, to get noticed. The toddler who is slowly gaining some independence doesn't just revel on his own in being able to tie his shoes or accomplish this amazing feat, but, but wants to draw mom and dad's attention each and every time they do something amazing. Look at me, notice me, pay attention to me. And we do it in different ways as we then enter into the education system, middle school, high school. We see the path of, of sports uh, or studies, not merely as a rite of passage, but as a potential opportunity to get noticed by a coach or by a college. And then that phase of life runs its course and we're on into the working world, and we've got our career humming along, and, and everybody says, well, you've got to get noticed. You've got to put yourself out there. You have to have a platform. You have to have a website. You have to have a social media presence. You have to do all of this stuff to get noticed. And it continues through the rest of your life, whether you're in the dating game again, you want to get noticed on a dating website or a change of careers, the same thing. We just want to get noticed which the Pharisees, in the account from the Gospel today, can very much relate to as well. And Jesus, Jesus noticed as a guest at the party that that was high on their mind. As he was observing each of these guests, we're told by Luke that when he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he then told them a parable. He noticed that they were looking for that prime spot. Now, depending on how many guests were at the party, uh, this was a, a different type of social gathering than what we're used to today. They weren't sitting at, at tables as we know them, sitting on chairs, but they would recline. And if there were three tables uh, or, or more, then it would usually be in the shape of a U. If there were fewer tables than that, it might determine that the place of honor was in a little different space, depending on the arrangement. But it really didn't matter because rest assured, those individuals that were prestigious enough to be on the list of, as Luke tells us, this prominent Pharisee to get invited to such a highfalutin party, they knew full well where the places of honor were. And they knew the advantage to grabbing them as quickly as they could. The place of honor, it, it communicated to everybody else present what the political pecking order was. Who was who? 
in terms of, of the rank of all of the guests. And not only that, but the place of honor also afforded the individual a little bit more time to rub elbows with the host. And doing so would allow them to share their views on, on social matters, philosophy, or, or their ideas that they might want to pass before this, this host in order to curry favor and opinion. The Pharisees wanted to get noticed. They were concerned with being known. In some ways, I, I guess, maybe a little bit like our, our modern-day influencer on social media, the one who has all of the followers for, for what? Because a lot of people know them. And why do a lot of people know them? Because they're popular. Why are they popular? Because a lot of people know them. What have they done? What have they contributed? Nothing, but people know them, so you should too. They're known. They, they have succeeded, to their credit, in getting noticed. Now, Jesus addresses that matter today to, to them and to us. And we want to make sure that, that we understand the whole point of this interaction between Jesus and the individuals here. Recognize that this is not just uh, an event where Jesus saw an opportunity to help change the behavior of the Pharisees, as if his only concern was, was their outward moralism or behavior in social settings like this. And really, Christianity demeans Jesus when we kind of relegate him to that role or position of headmaster of finishing school who is only really concerned about proper etiquette and behavior in social settings. Jesus came for much more than that. And I suppose that we could even conclude here that he was, was much in, interested in much more than just their outward behavior just by playing out the whole point. If, if we recognize that we limited this occasion to just Jesus trying to squeeze every ounce of humility out of all of the party guests as he could, what would be the point? We can apply that to us. If Jesus was simply interested in telling us, you should be more humble, what would be the point? There's value in that, yes, and we, we, we want to pursue that. We desire to be more humble. But at the end of the day, if we could fast forward five years and we could reflect and say five years from now, I am much more humble than I was five years ago. First, there might be an issue with that, recognizing your own humility. But where does that get you? The very fact that all of us would agree there's, there's room and need for us to be more humble shows what is flawed in the first place. That we don't have what it takes to get into heaven. So Jesus would kind of be wasting our time if he said, my number one concern here, Pharisees, is that you learn to be more humble. And anybody listening to this 2,000 years ago, I want to make sure that your takeaway is that you are more humble. No. Jesus number one concern, his primary concern, even when he was addressing the physical, temporal, worldly needs of people, his number one concern was always spiritual. He was always more concerned with the kingdom of God than he was the kingdom of this world. Jesus was always more concerned with what people believe than how they behave. Which is why he then uses this occasion to spring into a parable. And if you have heard of that term before, then you are probably aware that a parable has a very specific purpose. When Jesus taught, he used parables to take something that we could experience and relate to on an earthly level. And he would use that 
to tie in a spiritual truth. And that's exactly what he did when he told this parable recorded for us in Luke, the one that we heard earlier. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Again, the point of a parable is to take away some spiritual truth. And you notice that that Jesus doesn't just tell another story about a dinner party, but he very specifically mentions a, a wedding feast, guests at a wedding. And if you know anything about Jesus' teaching, this is a picture that he uses repeatedly on multiple occasions. And when he does, when he refers to the picture of a wedding, we know that he's talking about heavenly things. The wedding is a picture of being in heaven. And what is the point Jesus is making in this parable? But that anybody who thinks that he is going to be a guest at that wedding party on the basis of his own merits or efforts or obedience is going to be humbled. Jesus is saying, in a sense, anybody who thinks they're going to get into into heaven, that wedding party, on the basis of their religious, if they are religious enough or righteous enough, or respected enough, is going to end up humbled. This parable and this whole account might feel a little bit familiar to you if you were here last Sunday. Last Sunday was a similar theme. Jesus talked about the first will be last, the last will be first, Jesus will be the narrow door into heaven. Today he's talking about exalted will be humbled, the humbled will be exalted. Very similar sounding theme, right? We're talking about heaven. So what is the distinction between them? What is the difference between these hard truths? Well, you're right. They are very similar. They're both talking about entrance into heaven. But maybe it helps to think of it this way. Last Sunday, the emphasis was that Jesus alone is the hope for heaven. This morning, the emphasis is we are not. Same truth different emphasis. Jesus is the narrow door. Today says, if you think it's you, think again. So Jesus is saying to you and to me and to a world that is so focused on and so concerned with getting noticed, he says that you better take warning, you better think again if you are among those who think that there are seats reserved for those who feel they're deserved because there are no such reserved seats in heaven. I don't think Jesus' truth here is all that complicated. We might wonder why he then, going from the, the physical, the temporal, this dinner party that he was invited to, and then he goes to the spiritual, and now he returns back to a practical application. If this spiritual truth was so important, why then would he shift as he does in turning to the host of the party and encourage him this way. And Jesus said to the host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, 
the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So after just making this important spiritual truth uh, about heaven and access into heaven, not on our own merits, why does Jesus then turn and encourage this host to strive for humility in his life? Because while Jesus is primarily concerned with what we believe, realize that how we live and how we believe are closely connected. Our behavior and belief are much more closely connected than we might be aware. And humility, or lack thereof, is one way that that is exposed. So as you strive to get noticed, realize this. Humility, exaltation, they are going to be a reflection of three views that you have. Your view of yourself, your view of others, and your view of God. First of all, your view of yourself, what does it say about you that you think you have done something so noteworthy, so amazing, so impactful that that everybody else needs to take notice of it? Isn't that kind of a reflection of a self-inflated view? You, You think pretty highly of yourself. If you are striving to get noticed, it stands to reason you think there's something about you that merits taking notice. And what does it say about your view of other people? Other people who have other concerns that that are focused on other views or opinions, they have other priorities and things that are important to them, and and you are trying to convince them that you are more worthy of their time and attention than whatever they're doing. What does that say about your view of them to essentially conclude that you are a greater priority, or ought to be at least, for them? And finally, what does that say about your view of God? The God that you know full well because it is just repeated over and over again in Scripture, how how he loves you with an everlasting, unconditional, grace-filled, forgiving love, lavishing that on you without limit. What does that say about your view of God if with your life you are rather ho-hum and how much you value that unconditional, forgiving grace toward you if you're constantly still chasing after the favor of other people. See? Do you see how damaging it can be if we we fail to see the importance of connecting what we believe with how we live? Because you think that you can walk through this life, the better part of your life, so focused on getting noticed, on drawing other people's attention, drawing attention to yourself, and, and going about your, your way in life like that, and then fu- side, suddenly, when you find yourself face-to-face with the Lord, are you going to be able to just flip this switch of humility and say, no, I haven't been humble my whole life, but now I recognize, now we're talking about heaven, now I'm, I'm right here with, with the humble, because I know that's what it takes to get into heaven. That's not how it works. If you have spent your life thinking you are that important that everybody needs to take notice of you, You think that's not going to creep into what you think about how one gains access into heaven? That's why Jesus emphasizes the importance of living humble lives. That's why he turned to the host at this dinner party and he said to those, don't invite all the other prominent Pharisees, those who might be able to return the favor. Instead, very clearly he says, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. 
And then he promises, he attaches a, a blessing to that. He says, if you do that, you will be blessed. Maybe not by them. They may not have the means to be a blessing to you. And actually, maybe not even this side of heaven. But notice Jesus promises that that blessing may be repaid to you after the resurrection. You want to get noticed? You already are. In fact, you have been. Even before you were born, even before you came into existence, your gracious God noticed you. The very words that the Lord spoke to the prophet Jeremiah when he called him into service can be applied to to us as well. He said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. The Lord knew and knows you and will not forget you. James reminded us in our, our second reading today that he chose us not because we were good enough, not because we were great enough, but he chose us despite the fact that we weren't. He chose us anyway. The Lord notices you. The Lord was willing to pay a great price because that's how highly he values and treasures you. That frees you to genuinely, not with some false humility, but genuinely put the needs and the interests of others before your own. You don't have to get noticed by other people because you know by God's grace He notices you. And when you are freed to then put the needs and the interests of others before your own, do you know where that leaves you? That leaves you in a place we call humility. You know what Jesus says to those who are humble? They will be exalted. By his grace, may he exalt all of us with the confidence, the assurance, the hope of our home in heaven. Amen.